from deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm Adam Schick. Last weekend was very good to the Orange and Blue, with gymnastics elevating back to number one in the nation following a dazzling home debut against UCLA, and both men's and women's basketball picking up critical SEC wins here and abroad. Today, we'll focus on the hardwood by chatting with senior Dorian Finney-Smith, FloridaGators.com senior writer Chris Harry, and women's basketball head coach Amanda Butler. To get things started, let's talk about a Gator who has certainly made the most of his time in Gainesville. In his two previous seasons since transferring from Virginia Tech, Dorian Finney-Smith was named the SEC's sixth man of the year in 2014, and in 2015, he made the All-SEC second team. Most thought he was NBA-bound after his junior campaign, but the versatile forward decided to stay for his senior season. We asked the one they called Dodo why he decided to come back for one final ride. I'm just... Me wanting to finish my senior year, you know, off on the right note. You know, I didn't want to leave 16 and 17 with no postseason. You know, I wanted to come back and you know, lead the right way. Having last year go the way that it did, and then the year before that being such a successful year, you've been on both sides of it here. What makes the difference between having such a successful year and then having a tough year? Consistency. Final four year, our team was pretty much the same team every day. And last year, you didn't know which team you was going to get. Some days you're just going to get you know, a team that play together, and sometimes you get a team that, you know, that, that wouldn't. Is it about consistency in terms of the guys on the floor or consistency with the effort that the guys on the floor are bringing? Probably a little bit of both. Um, just consistently playing with each other, you know, playing for each other. Um, I, I think final four year we just you know, jail, like the first game of the season, and last year we just could never you know, figure it out. Being a part of that run, how special was that, and how much does that fuel you this year trying to get back to something like that? It fueled me a lot. You know, um, I want guys to you know get the chance to play in a tournament. You know, that was probably one of the best times of my life. You know, now for for myself, I want guys who've never been there to have that experience. From what you've gotten to see, what do you think, Coach White and your staff have added to the program? You know, he got the same, you know, Coach D concepts, but just add a little bit of new flavor to it. You know, the younger guys. They connect with guys, you know, on a different level because they, they're a lot younger. So they can adapt to our, I say, culture now. In addition to the overall team goals that you were talking about, what areas have you focused on individually getting better on? Trying to find more ways to, you know, be effective, which is making a, you know, um, a good pass or just being more active on defense, being more active without the ball, just trying to affect the game without the ball in my hand. You're a Virginia guy, and you went to Virginia Tech and then he came down to Florida. Mm-hmm. How difficult was it to leave home and come all the way down here? It was tough, you know, but Vernon Macklin went here, and he's, you know, a very close friend of my family. Uh, so that kind of made, you know, the transition a lot easier because i seen the success he had here. Outside of, obviously, family and things like that, what have you missed most about Virginia in your time here in Florida? You know, around basketball season, tend to got, you know, colder here. It don't get cold till the middle of basketball season, so that's about, that's about it. What do you like most about Gainesville? Outside of the campus and all the things that go into Florida basketball, what about being here has been special to you? Um, just the community. There's the nice people. You know, um, everywhere I go, real genuine people. It was weird to me at first, 
how nice you know someone was, but now it just it's just how it is out here. You've played with a lot of guys in your time here. I'm curious, what teammate do you feel like had the biggest impact on you? Probably Casey Prate or Scotty or Pat. One of them three. How come? Um, just stand on me, showing me you know the right things to do on and off the court and how to be successful. You are the elder statesman on this team now, but I'm curious from the guys you've played with here that are younger than you, who have you learned the most from? Probably Devin Robinson or Devon Walker. Just, you know, try to enjoy the moment. D-Rob always having fun. If you know him, you'll know he's a goofy person. And I, I learned that about him, which helped me, you know, not try to be so serious all the time. Try to enjoy the moment. And Devo Walker just, this is a mature man. He, he always does the right thing. You know, he, uh, he don't take no shortcuts in success. What teammate do you think you've had the biggest impact on in your time here? I'd probably say John or probably Jake. Because, you know, I've been through what John was going through. You know, I set out a year. He set out a year. We both, you know, been through the culture change together. Just been through the grind together with him. Um, just trying to stay on him, you know, because he know I know what a successful big look like. So he just wanted me to stay on top of him. And Jake just, you know, we had a bond. You know, he still talked to me after every game. You know, he always tell me don't, don't get discouraged. Just stay in the moment. You know, believe in the process. So he just one of them guys that you know, I just bonded with. This is a really young team, and you are the top guy on this very young team. What responsibility has that given you this year, and how has your role changed in that? I try to lead by example. Um, on and off the court, just try to show these guys you can't cheat the process. you, you got to be the same team. You know, most times you get what you deserve. You know, sometimes you can, you can go out there and cheat the process and, and have a good game, but you, know, you can't do that for, what, 30 games? What do you mean by cheat the process? What is the process? Um, just coming in here, you know, getting out there every day, standing in the moment. You know, um, a lot of players, when you get older, you start to appreciate practice, but when you're young, you kind of dread it because you think it's like practicing like 100 and sometimes. <laughs> but practice is what makes the game easier. What's your favorite on-court memory from your time here at Florida? SEC uh, championship game was, was probably one of the funnest games. I mean, they cut the ropes around. That was fun. And playing UCLA in the tournament was, was a good one, too. Why do those stand out in particular? Because, you know, they cut them ropes. And it's just you and the team and the coaches. And it's like, you know, you, you see all the work that I put in to get there. And that moment right there, just, it's just you can't beat it. You got to cut down a few nets during that season a couple of years ago. What did you do with your pieces of the net? Do you know where they are? Yeah, I want them tied up on to my hat, my final four hat. One of them, I, I gave them my mom. Where did the name Dodo come from, and when did people start calling you that? It's from my grandma. That was my grandma's name, and they say I looked like her when I came out. <laughs> it's just been something that my mom been, my family been calling my whole life, so I just you know adapted to it, and I ended up liking it. And now it's just, that's, that's my name. <laughs> Who's been your favorite team to compete against in your time here? Kentucky. What is it about playing Kentucky that gets guys fired up? Just the, the intensity of the game. Intensity of when we play there, the crowd, just the, everything leading up to Kentucky. You know, you know it's going to be a hard game, both teams, so it's just a fun game. Who are some of your favorite NBA players and guys who you look to and want to play like? Paul George. Kobe going to always be the best. If you want to go there, but I like to play like Scottie Pippen. See, most people say Jordan, but you say Pippen. Why do you say Pippen? Because he could do everything. You know, he, he moved to the one. He could pass. You know, he played defense. I mean, I don't think Joe would have gotten the rings if it weren't for Scottie Pippen.
we've seen what this team is capable of doing in games like the Ole Miss game. What do you think are the keys for this team to be successful in that way? To buy in, to being a hard-nosed team, you know, to start, you know, having confidence that we can make them shots that we, you know, we make every day in practice. We just got to do it in the game. You guys are in a stretch right now where you're playing a lot of home games. So I'm curious, what is it about playing in the O-Dome that gives you that extra juice? The crowd, you know, they bring so much energy, and, and we feed off of it, and it's just, once you're out there, you just, you don't get tired. Your drilling be rushing, it's just, it's love. I love it. As Mike White's team continues fighting to find their identity, the inevitable bumps along the way have prevented them from building up a major head of steam. But this past week was significant, considering Florida won back-to-back SEC games for the first time in this young conference season. We talked to FloridaGators.com senior writer Chris Harry about how the modest two-game winning streak fits into the big picture. Is it a big deal? Um, no, not really, but it's something. And let's throw into that, Adam, that also one of those wins was a road win. And Florida had lost seven straight road games in the SEC dating back to last year. That was the longest losing streak in the league in 25 years for this for this program, believe it or not. So they go into Ole Miss, which was obviously an emotional game for Mike White. He was a starting point guard there during the 90s for four years. There were some distractions with that. You're in awe of that beautiful new pavilion at Ole Miss, which you saw. I mean, everyone was talking about that. It's a beautiful place. They had not lost there. They only played two games there, but they were shooting the ball well. Playing Stefan Moody, it's the best scoring, uh, I call him a, a scoring point guard, uh, shoot first mentality for sure. And they play arguably their, their best wire-to-wire game of the season. They never trail. Kayvon Allen goes crazy, 27 points, 6 of 7 from three-point range. They played great defense on Stefan Moody, really frustrated him. I think it was 2 for 10 and from the floor. Uh, never really got it going at the free throw line. Forced him into six turnovers, only one assist. So a good win there. Now, what Mike White was concerned with, we all feel good on this plane ride home. How are you going to deal with prosperity? Is this team mature enough with all these underclassmen? And that's where he kind of leans on Dorian Finney-Smith a little bit for that. Something that maybe Dodo wasn't real comfortable with in the last few years. Florida doesn't play great against Mississippi State, but they make plays down the stretch to win. It was a weird game, but a two-game winning streak, some free throws hit. You know, Mississippi State's not a great team, but they've been in some games this year. They're probably a better team than their 0-5 record in the league indicates, but it's a win, and now you pack that away, and let's see if we can build and make it three SEC games in a row. In that weird Mississippi State game you mentioned, Florida got down by as many as 11 in the second half, and then by winning, it was the biggest deficit they've overcome to win a game this year. So for a team that at Tennessee and other times this year has looked like they couldn't handle adversity, it seems like they proved in that game that they can. Yeah, I mean, they were down double digits at, uh, against Purdue at Miami, Tennessee, like you said, and they weren't able to come back like that. But, you know, being at home obviously helps at the same time. Like you said, it was a really, really weird game. I mean, they're up eight, then they're down 11, then they're up eight again, I believe. And then next thing you know, Mississippi State goes on this crazy run and they take the lead twice in the last two minutes. And now it's on Florida, the worst free throw shooting team in the league, one of the worst in the country right now to make free throws down the stretch. And lo and behold, here's Johnny Bunu, who I believe had made 15 of his previous 39 free throws dating back 10 games, including that game. And he goes four for four in the last one minute. Justin Leon, a guy who's really struggling with on one for nine in conference play right now. He misses two, but Florida plays good enough defense down the stretch to stop Mississippi State from scoring and Kayvon Allen ices it at the line. So yeah, dealing with adversity. It's something that comes up. It comes up in different levels. It's going to come up when they're at Kentucky. It came up when they're playing Mississippi State at home. But, yeah, a very weird game. Again, I go back to it. Made plays that you have to make, win the game, move on, see what's next. 
We talked to Dorian Finney-Smith earlier in the podcast and talked to him about being a leader and being the senior and what responsibility that gives him. And he really said it's about leading by example. It seems like having the first 20 and 10 performance since he did that in the SEC tournament a year ago is one way to lead by example. Let's talk about four double-doubles in the last five games. Let's talk about one of just, I believe, six players in the last 20 years here. You're talking about Udonis Haslin and Chandler Parsons and some players like that, uh, Maurice Spates, to put together a run of three straight double-doubles. But he's hitting big shots. He's grabbing big rebounds. I mean, his SEC stats are really, really good right now. He's up to, I believe, 46% from the three-point line. He's shooting well over 70% uh, from the free-throw line. And he's a guy who's going to get fouled a lot. So I go back to in the offseason, even back when Mike White got hired, he said Dorian Finney-Smith needs to be an all-conference player. I mean, we're going to look at him to do that. That's a lot of uh, a responsibility. It's a lot of accountability to him. And I don't know that he was comfortable with that early on in the season. He seems like he's found some balance with that and is playing to that uh, character right now. One of the reasons Florida's been more successful here in the last week or so, the three-point shooting has finally come around. Not the free-throw shooting, but they're making the long-range shots. Yeah, it's kind of a paradox there. You can't make the, they can't make them standing still, but this is a team that was the worst three-point shooting team in the league, going into league play, and now they're at 38%. In five of those six league games, they've made at least nine three-pointers. So this is a threat now. I mean, Mike White has said all along, if we can start hitting some shots, we're going to be a tough team to beat as long as we have our defense. Well, they didn't have really good defense against Mississippi State, but they were able to hit some big threes. Now, Kayvon Allen didn't start off well from three-point range. He's kind of heating up a little bit. Dorian Finney-Smith is 12 of 26 from three-point range now. And here's a guy, Justin Leon. He was an effort guy, a rebound guy, a role player, but he's now a starter. He's hit 11 of 21 threes in conference play, and I mean, he's been a big factor in Florida starting 4-2 and two in the league. So here they are. They're probably 12 points up in three-point shooting from where they were entering league play. And yet I believe they're nine points down in free throw shooting from where they were. So again, that's the thing Mike White has to deal with. He's dealing with it every day. He keeps saying he's searching, but at least we can point to something that's trending and on the uptick, and that's three-point shooting where the Gators are probably up around the top of the league right now. If the question is what will Florida do with this newfound success, the answer should come on Saturday. They've got an Auburn team that's hot, and if you look on the sideline, you'll see a very familiar face who's now getting comfortable at a new spot in the SEC. Yeah, Bruce Pearl certainly uh, come in here before and made Gator fans uh, dislike him. <laughs> he has been back since. He was here last year. Florida won that game uh, comfortably, but... This is an Auburn team that really didn't start off that well in SEC play, and yet, lo and behold, they beat Kentucky last weekend. They had a little lead. Kentucky came back, took the lead, but Auburn took it right back to them and ends up winning the game with, like I said, some big shots down the stretch. Beat Alabama, uh, obviously a rivalry game for them on Tuesday night. So you got to hold serve on your home floor. So far, they've done that in SEC play. Now we're going to see if Dorian Finney-Smith and the rest of his cast of characters can carry on and make this two-game winning streak a three-game winning streak because they're trying to put a resume together for the postseason. you got to beat an Auburn team at home for that to happen. Last week, the Florida women's basketball team made headlines by securing a spot in the top 25 for the first time in seven years. But as most competitors can attest, finding success and then sustaining it are two different animals. After struggling to score in their first outing of a three-game homestand against Georgia, the Orange and Blue bounced back with a gritty win against LSU on Sunday. And if every game is a different chapter in the story of a season, head coach Amanda Butler told us what was important about their most recent victory. Well, I mean, every SEC win is carries significance, and I, I think for us, besides just the obvious factors of winning a game, winning an SEC game, protecting your home court, uh, the fashion in which we had 
to play to win that game, I think was truly a, a triumph and an indication of, of growth for our team and, and something that gives us great confidence going forward. You've been at the top of the league all year in scoring. That's really where this team has made their mark. But the last two games, both Georgia and LSU were able to slow you down and kind of take the air out of the ball and make it their style of game. As you move forward, how can you impose your will on teams as opposed to having it dictated the other way around? Well, it's, you know, it's really difficult, um, you know, because we, of course, want to run on, on everything. Um, but if, if a team chooses to send three back, you know, um, sending two back is maybe more common, but sending three back in their transition defense to try and eliminate the possibility of us having numbers or, or creating mismatch situations, advantage situations, there's not a whole lot we can do about that. Um, you know, it, that's just a choice that they're making on their offensive end to have less offensive rebounders. And so that's why I say the LSU game is so important because if there's a team that feels like this is how we have to play to beat Florida, uh, then we have to be able to adjust. But to create the pace that we want and to create the possessions that we want, then we have to play defense a certain way. We, we've got to speed those other teams up. Um, we've got to try to, to limit their time of possession but we also have to balance that out with not taking undue risk and, and playing um, haphazard defense all at the cost of pace. Um, there's gotta, you've got to strike a balance in there somewhere um, and really pick your spots. And, and I think SEC play in general is about capitalizing on moments. And uh, when you get the opportunity, uh, whether it's off a defensive rebound, whether it's off a tip, um, whether you catch one of their defenders sleeping, whatever it is, you've got to take advantage of those moments. And that's the other thing that we've got to continue to get better at. Last week, Carly Needles was the SEC Player of the Week, and she's a redshirt senior. She's been around a while. People know what she's capable of. But Eliana Kristanaki is a player who's just bursting on the scene, was the freshman of the week, and now a lot of people are just starting to see what she's capable of. Where can she go? How high is her ceiling? Well, when you, you take into consideration her size, uh, when you take into consideration that she's just scratching the surface of playing this style of ball uh, at this speed, and also the level of physicality that she's experiencing and how well she's adjusted to that. Uh, obviously, she's got a very, very high ceiling. She's also a really hard worker, and she's only going to get better at understanding what we're asking her to do by just grasping the language better and being able in intense moments to understand exactly what I'm saying or what her point guard's saying or whoever it is. Uh, because obviously, when you're communicating in a very intense voice or a loud voice or you know, there's not a chance to go slow and, and make sure that she understands exactly what's being said, um, you know, then some communication is compromised there. And so when her English gets to a point where in those heated moments she knows exactly what we're saying, uh, you know, in that quick little 30-second timeout, uh, the message doesn't have to be repeated or whatever the case may be, I, I think you're just going to continue to see her flourish. Free throw shooting is at once the simplest part of the game, but in some cases the most complicated. And we've talked about a lot on the men's side this year with some of the struggles they've had shooting the ball from the line. And your team's been so good there all season long. And then the last two games, it's like a switch flips, and all of a sudden those free throws aren't going down. As a coaching staff, how do you view that? How do you work on something like that which can be there in spades and then totally disappear almost out of nowhere? Yeah, you know, it's it's a, an elusive part of the game, and, and every coach and every player has experienced it. And and for the, the people that uh, dismiss 
miss free throws as you know it's free it's easy nobody's guarding you or whatever then you have no idea what the mental aspect of the game is like it can be very nerve-wracking and there's no way when you put yourself in a very emotional and intense situation that you don't have physiological responses to that you know and so what we do and what we really focus on is just making sure that we are nailing our routines that was one of the things we talked about the other day was you know your free throw routine whether you take a deep breath dribble twice you know everybody's got their own individual thing you know how long have you been using that same free throw routine and most everybody's is since I started playing basketball I mean maybe the most recent is well I started this routine in high school but still that's years and years of years of repetition and you've got to just focus on that routine and perfecting that routine and and have that belief that if I focus on perfect routine then the outcome is going to come but if you focus on the outcome you know your palms are going to get sweaty your follow-through is not going to be as smooth your breathing is going to be shortened and you know and those are just physiological facts so I think at, at our core we know we're a good shooting team and we're a very good free throw shooting team we've shown that and we've just got to make sure that that mentally our belief is exactly where it needs to be every single time that we step up to the line we always talk every year about how balanced the sec is and the parity and it just seems like year after year it gets even more competitive and if you're looking from the outside you might say oh the sec is not as good but then in the inside you say no it's better and that's why the competition's increased what do you make of the league's continued evolution to where it seems like it's so even? I have a unique perspective of 20-plus years ago having played in the league and, and, and started my coaching career as an assistant coach. And, and the biggest difference in our league now that I can just tell you with such certainty that it is the best league and it's the best it's ever been, and, and also what separates us from other leagues is the evolution of the bottom four teams um, who, who change constantly. Those are quality teams. And, you know, I think there's there's no other uh, demonstration of that than, you know, our, the run that Arkansas has gotten on, you know, here the past couple weeks. But there's just – there's no one on our league that you can take for granted. There's not a bad team. And, um, you know, that's what I think is really, really different. You know, most leagues, you know, here's these two or three teams that you would maybe consider bottom feeders and, and that sort of thing. And those teams – just absolutely don't exist in our league. This week is We Back Pat Week, which you know is really important to you with your history with Pat Summit. And even though she's no longer on the sidelines, I'm curious from your perspective how her impact is still felt on the game today. Well, I, you know, you just look around. Uh, you know, you look around in our league, and there's, uh, you know, Nikki at LSU, head coach, uh, Matthew at, at Kentucky, head coach, you know, people that worked on her staff. Um, you look at her former players or her former staff members that are scattered across the country that are coaching you know but then you look at those players and those former staff members that are just anywhere doing anything even outside the coaching world and it's literally thousands of people who are literally impacting thousands of people growing up as a Tennessean you saw that in so many levels I mean obviously she represented excellence in basketball and excellence in a very dominant women's basketball conference but people outside of the athletic world in the state of Tennessee revered her and, you know, she represents respect. She represents excellence. She is very much a very grounded person who's proud of where she's from. And so, you know, Tennessee, not just the University of Tennessee, but Tennessee, the state, I think is always very proud to claim her. But, you know, that impact is, is just continuing on through the people that she trained, she mentored, she disciplined, she loved the, the people that, that she shaped into the adults that they are now. 
Are there any funny stories that you point to? Any that you, you would like to tell us here today? Well, you know, I grew up as a little girl. We would go to basketball camp uh, there. And um, as, as an adult, she is a very imposing figure. <laughs> but as, as a younger person, you know, she really just her presence would, would strike fear. And I mean that in the most respectful way, uh, the way she walked into a room. But as a very young assistant coach, we had a manager whose name was Cat, and we used to affectionately refer to her as Big Cat. And we were going to Tennessee, and we were there in a shoot-around, and the Tennessee staff, which was very friendly with our staff, had come on the floor as we were going off, and I was yelling across the court at Big Cat uh, to help me with something. I was trying to get her attention, and Pat thought I was yelling at her and calling her Big Pat. Um, she did not take offense to it, and that's one of the things that so many people with her intensity don't realize about her great sense of humor. I mean, she just came right over and said, hey, what's going on, Amanda? How can I help you? And I, I was just dying because there's no way I would ever have yelled, you know, now or then, hey, Big Pat. I mean, I just never would have done that. And, uh, and just remembering the fear and then the relief because she's just so gracious. But it was a funny story at the time. And that's going to do it for this week's show. If you want to see the Gators hit the court this week, come out to the Odom on Thursday night to see the women take on Alabama. And on Saturday night, the men get the flip side of the Iron Bowl as they welcome the Auburn Tigers. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to Gator Tales on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher to make sure you never miss an episode. And feel free to send us feedback by emailing GatorsPodcast at gmail.com or tweeting at GatorsPodcast with your comments. Our next show comes your way next Thursday and will feature more Gator hoops as well as gymnastics. Until then, I'm Adam Schick, and I'll see you in the Odo.